When you find yourself there, Gospel of Luke 17. When you find yourself there, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. We'll read verses 1 through 4. Luke 17, 1 through 4. All right. And uh, we're standing and starting together in verse number 1 out loud. All four verses out loud together. Ready? Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day and seven times in a day, turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. All right. Let us pray together. Father, Lord, I do pray that you bless the reign of your word this morning. I do thank you for the opportunity to once again stand here and preach the word. I do pray that you would bless our uh, Lord's Supper service as well today. Thank you so much for uh, the good group of people that we get to fellowship with. I thank you for uh, even the Burmese folks that come and use the facility later this day, uh, that uh, you would bless their service as well. Lord, I do pray that you would, uh, in a great way, uh, stir our hearts, that we would be able to focus on the message and not be distracted. Lord, I thank you for uh, the, um, the message that we have here, that uh, yes, we will be offended. Things are going to come into our life, um, but there's an opportunity to grow. Everything that uh, happens to us happens for a reason. God, you allow us to go through trials and tribulations so that we can grow. I do pray that you would bless all that is said and done in your uh, service today. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. God's dealing with, uh, one of the things in this passage that he is dealing with is forgiveness. Uh, forgiving those who offend us. Offend us. Now, that word can be used in many different ways. Um, people get offended about a lot of things, right? Some of you were offended already today by someone or something that happened. And uh, you may or may not want to share that. It may be big, it may be small. Um, sometimes it takes very little to offend me. Sometimes, sometimes it takes a lot. It could be, be depending on my uh, mental state, my spiritual condition, uh, how I feel physically. Um, are there times where maybe you are just very tired and it doesn't take much to, as I like to say, set you off and uh, get you going and get you upset about something? And uh, it could be that uh, sometimes we're a little, uh, just a hair bit uptight. Maybe our personality is such that we are just uptight about everything. Uh, there's a need for growth in that area, I believe. Um, sometimes we can sit here and we can say, man, it's too cold in this church. Or we can say, it's too hot in here. Okay, using an illustration of something that we all just, some, I say we all, some of you probably have no clue, but some people came up to me earlier and said, it's kind of hot in here, we need to turn the air, air on. I said, absolutely, I'm all for that. Honestly, I like it colder, but I've kept it a little bit warmer because in the past, people have said, it's too cold in the summer, we don't like the air conditioning, but you can't please everybody, can you? And, um, and then there's things that, you know, maybe we, 
we see in the service, oh, look at that person, look at, their, look at the way they're dressed, or, you know, oh, they missed their cue here, or, or they sang the wrong uh, song, or whatever, you know, they gave the wrong number out for the song number, they announced the wrong date on something, or the bulletin it has a typo, or the screen has a typo, like I saw earlier, and uh, some of those things just bug me, you know, they can drive me nuts, but you know, if I allow those things to control me, all those little offenses, they can build up, and they can, they can ruin the spirit of the service. They can ruin my life if I allow them to. If you allow things to uh, fester, they can literally change the outcome of a situation for good or for bad. Offenses, Jesus says here very clearly, he's telling his disciples, if there's any question, he says it right there. Luke writes, then said he, Jesus, unto the disciples, it is impossible, <laughs> it's inevitable that offenses will come. It is impossible, but that offenses will come. Offenses are going to come. Maybe they're little things like we've discussed. Maybe, you know, honestly, people are still going to park the wrong way at Walmart. I'm sorry. They're still going to park over the line. You might still get your car door dinged because somebody was not very bright and or they didn't care. Those kinds of things bother me. Uh, people are still going to skip ahead in that line at McDonald's. I really hate that thing, you know, when they went to the two lanes. You know, what's that about, right? You know, it's always that question, who's going first? And uh, there's people that will cut you off in traffic. There's people that are going to uh, not be considerate at all. Uh, there's people that are going to litter and, and leave their trash everywhere. Those things offend me. I know they might not offend you, but they offend me. People are still going to be mouthy and profane, and they're still going to be um, disrespectful. We can't live our life thinking that somehow people, uh, although they should be respectful and they should talk nice, we can't live our life thinking that everybody's going to be that way. They're going to do right. They're going to live the right way. Because you're going to be disappointed. Every, direct, every time you turn around, you're going to be disappointed and let down. So prepare yourself knowing that you're going to be offended. People are still going to be selfish and arrogant and racist. Some people, it takes a lot to offend them. You might be that kind of person, but I guarantee you something is going to offend you. You're going to be attacked on some level. Maybe it's not going to be one of these petty things. It might be something far more serious. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 10, you can turn there if you want, but I'm just going to read three verses. Matthew 5, 10. This is at the end of the Beatitudes. Jesus is speaking. He says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, we've already preached on persecution recently, but I'm going to recap a little bit. He says, you're going to be blessed if you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. He says in verse 11, Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. He says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Gives that list in verse 11. Reviled, 
persecuted and spoken against falsely, lied about. There's one thing I really hate, and that is when people spread rumors, and especially false rumors, when they lie about me, when they say things about me, when they uh, talk bad about me. That's offensive. But you know, Jesus said some people are going to do that. And they're going to lie about you for my name's sake. They're going to lie about you because you're a Christian. Jesus is talking about varying degrees of persecution that we will face. He gives that list again. I'll read it. People who revile. Some are going to revile us. Some people are going to persecute us in a physical way. And some people are going to say things about us. In the New Testament, we even read about people that went through this. Jesus prophesied about this in Matthew, but we read about a man named Stephen in the Bible. Remember, he suffered persecution. He was killed uh, for his faith, for preaching the word. He suffered. Some were shunned or or treated uh, badly, persecuted in other ways. If you look around us in our world right now, in, in our corner of the world, in America, in the U.S., our society is turning up the heat right now, aren't they? We're seeing that uh, people are trying to, the, the world, our society is trying to smoke Christians out. They're trying to persecute us. Just a few short years ago, churches were bullied into shutting down because of the pandemic. We were forced we're being forced to close. Did it have to be any real scientific proof or reason for the decision? But schools, churches, other places were shut down. Churches were not considered essential to the community at large. That's one form of persecution. For years, uh, private Christian business owners like bakers and florists have been targeted by the LGBTQ plus community. I almost feel weird saying it that way because there's just so many different uh, initials now, you know? I, I don't even know if I'm up to date on that. But, you know, everybody wants to um, uh, say that they're a victim, but really the ones that claim victimhood are the ones that are the victimizers. They're coming after Christians. We are the target. Every June. You know, you think about, we celebrated, um, if you want to call it celebrate, I mean, it's, we say Happy Memorial Day, but honestly, it's, it's a very somber observance. I and mean, we observe Memorial Day. We think about those, the fallen soldiers of our country. They get one day. The gay community gets a whole month. June is uh, where there is pressure put on Christians in the workplace to uh, fly the pride flag, put up the propaganda, or get fired. Um, Unrelated to that, but still talking about persecution, Coach Joe Kennedy had a chance to meet him last year. Uh, Some of you may have heard of him, but he was fired for exercising his First Amendment right to pray to God in public. 
He was discriminated against as a coach because he wanted to pray before and after or after his game. Uh, and, but ultimately, he prevailed in court. He won a, a Supreme Court case. But he was targeted. He had a fight for his job. The IRS recently has been caught targeting uh, Christian nonprofits. If you remember, under the Obama administration, the Department of Health and Human Services took the Christian charity, the Little Sisters of the Poor, to court over them not wanting to pay or to provide for um, contraceptives. Think about a uh, man named Russ Vaught. He was not being nominated, and if you remember Bernie Sanders, uh, viciously, I think, viciously attacked him. I actually have the video. I want you to see this. We're going to show the, a clip of this uh, just two-minute video. If you would, roll that, guys. Let me get to this issue uh, that has bothered me and bothered many other people. And that is in the piece that I referred to that you wrote for a publication called Resurgent. You wrote, Muslim, quote, Muslims do not simply have a deficient theology. They do not know God because they have rejected Jesus Christ, his son, and they stand condemned. End of quote. Do you believe, do you believe that that statement is Islamophobic? Absolutely not, Senator. I'm a Christian, and I believe in a Christian set of principles based on my faith. Uh, that post, as I stated in the questionnaire to this committee, was to defend my alma mater, Wheaton College, a Christian school that has a statement of faith that includes the centrality of Jesus Christ for salvation. And Again, I apologize. I do, forgive me. I, we just don't have a lot of time. Do you believe that people in the Muslim religion stand condemned? Is that your view? Again, Senator, I'm a Christian, and I wrote that piece well, what does that say? The statement of faith of Wheaton. I understand that. I don't know how many Muslims there are in America. I really don't know. Probably a couple of million. Are you suggesting that all of those people stand condemned? What about Jews? They stand condemned too? Senator, I'm a Christian. I, I understand you are a Christian, but this country is made up of people who are not just. I understand that Christianity is the majority religion, but there are other people who have different religions in this country and around the world. In your judgment, do you think that people who are not Christians are going to be condemned? Thank you for probing on that question. As a Christian, I believe that all individuals are made in the image of God and are worthy of dignity and respect regardless of their religious beliefs. I believe that, that as a Christian, that's how I should treat all individuals. And do you think your statement that you put into that publication, they do not know God because they've rejected Jesus Christ the Son and they stand condemned? Do you think that's respectful of other religions? Senator, I wrote a post based on being a Christian and attending a Christian school that has a statement of faith that speaks clearly with regard to the centrality of Jesus Christ in salvation. I would simply say, Mr. Chairman, that this nominee um, is really not someone is what this country is supposed to be about. Saying there are going to be things like that that you have or will be facing in the future where somebody's going to call you on the carpet for what you really believe. We need to know what we believe on these issues. First of all, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
and he is central to what we believe. And there is nothing unconstitutional about what this man wrote, what he believed. It's the same thing, if we were to look at what his post was, it's the same thing that we believe uh, in that fact that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. If you actually were to put a Muslim on the stand, they would say the same thing uh, in the opposite view, but they would be allowed probably to hold a position of office. But uh, obviously, uh, when we stand upon the word of God and we live out our faith in Jesus Christ and refuse to compromise, refuse to compromise the Bible, we are going to be persecuted on some level. You may be passed over for a promotion because of your um, holding to sexual ethics. You might be overlooked because you are a outspoken Christian. Now, I will say that there might be some people that will get a promotion because of their strength on some of these issues. But that is not why we stand. We stand whether it's in opposition to or when, when times are bad or when times are good. Um, a, a good uh, a solid believer is going to stand no matter what the crowd is saying. So he says there in verse number, um, verse number one, he said it is impossible, but that offenses will come. You're going to be persecuted. But he says, but woe unto him through whom they come. What does that mean? Somebody put it this way. What sorrow awaits the one who does the tempting and offending? We are all sinners, and we all will deal with, uh, as before we are saved, of course, we have a sin nature. After we're saved, we're sanctified. We have a new nature. Praise the Lord for that. But we still have the ability to sin. And uh, uh, yet, he says here, woe to him that offends, or through whom offenses come. That means leading others to sin bringing them into a place where they will be tempted to sin, he says you need to be, uh, that person needs to be careful. That person is going to face a greater judgment. J. Vernon McGee says, I think I would rather be most any person than the one selling drugs to young people today. It is serious business to cause somebody, especially a younger person, a youngster, as he writes, to offend. There is one thing worse than going to hell. It is going to hell and having a son or daughter say to you, Dad, I am here because I followed you. That is the worst thing that can happen to a person. That's J. Vernon McGee of the Mr. The Bible Bus guy, right? If you have ever listened to Through the Bible. And uh, he, he said that it'd be worse. It, it, it is serious business to cause a person to be offended, especially a younger person. We need to be careful about our uh, influences. Um, but I'm going to tell you right now, yes, we're going to be offended. Yes, we're going to be tempted. But, uh, and, and we're going to be tempted to lash out against the person persecuting us. We're going to be tempted to uh, go after somebody that is, um, is offending us. But if you go to Romans chapter 12, and I was, uh, didn't know if I had time, but we'll do this. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. I want you to see verse number 19. Romans 12, 19. Here's what Paul says about this. He says, 
Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Don't worry about getting even. My grandma always said, I don't get mad, I get even. <laughs> right? I don't get mad, I get even. And uh, you didn't want to cross her, I guess. But and she was just kidding. But dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. Meaning, allow God to take care of this. Give place for God's uh, judgment in that person's life. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For if in do so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Going back to Luke chapter 17, he says offenses will come. You're going to face persecution. You're going to face uh, temptation. But woe unto him through whom they come. Don't worry about that person. They're going to get their, uh, they're going to get their judgment. And honestly, God's heart is not to destroy our enemies and to um, rip them up like we want them ripped up and uh, to see them hurt and see the payback and retribution for all the things that they do to us. God's heart is that they would come to salvation just like us. That should be our heart. And it is hard. It is very difficult for us to have that kind of heart because goes against our nature. When somebody offends us, our human reaction, our human nature says to pay back, to uh, an eye for an eye, if you would, to, 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 uh, to uh, get back at them. Now, you might say, well, no, they could do whatever they want to me, but if they do something to my family, to one of my kids, well, then it's over. The same rules apply. He says, to allow God to have the opportunity to deal with that person because it is, it is, gonna, not, it is gonna be bad for them. Look at verse two. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. There is a judgment coming. Don't think that somehow that God is, God is allowing people to get away with their sin. Judgment is coming. And if you experienced one second of the judgment that the world and the wicked people of this world will receive, you would not wish that on anybody. Judgment is coming. God is not asleep. God is not missing what's going on. Judgment is coming. So he says in verse number three, take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Number one, today, offenses will come. Number two, if one sins, he is to be rebuked. Go with me to Matthew chapter 18 very quickly today. I do want to go through all of these things. I know we have the Lord's Supper, but we're going to go through this quickly. Matthew chapter 18. It is always good and is always appropriate for us to look at this chapter at least once a year as a church. I think this has saved us from having a lot of issues in our church. Solid biblical teaching on what Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17 mean. I'm not going to spend a whole sermon on this, but it goes along with what we're talking about. Number two, our point number two, if one sins, he is to be rebuked. 
he is to be rebuked. He very clearly says that. Jesus says that. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. So verse number, uh, chapter 18, verse number 15 of Matthew. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee. What does that mean, if my brother trespasses against me? Very simply, if somebody sins against you. And in this context, this is between believers, okay? Specifically, we, we take this to mean the local assembly, okay? Within our church. If somebody is offending you, you need to, what does he say? Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. So go and talk to your brother who is offending you. Now, by the way, this applies to your sisters in the Lord too, okay? Just so there's, uh, in case there's any misunderstanding. Your brothers and sisters in Christ, if there's somebody in the church that is offending you, that is sinning against you, you are to go to them in private. That's what, that's what it means, to them, to between thee and him. Go to them in private and tell them that they are offending you. He says in verse number 15, he said, tell them their fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. The point of that verse right there is very clear. If there is an offense, personal first. Deal with it on a personal level. The point is that if you can deal with it on the personal level, if you can find uh, an agreement, if you can find forgiveness, if they will forgive you or you will forgive them, whatever the need is there in that situation, if, if, if at all possible, do that so that you can gain your brother back, meaning restoration. Restoration is the point of Matthew 18. But continuing on verse 16, there are some people that will not respond when you go to them in private, correct? Has there been a situation maybe where you have gone to somebody and tried to deal with something and it just wasn't resolved? It wasn't resolved. Are you with me this morning? There's times where we will go and we will try to deal with something in, a, in the right way and it is not resolved. What is the next step? To go and gossip? <laughs> to go and put it on Facebook? To go on social media? Tell the whole world? No. What does he say there in verse number 16? But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Sometimes it is necessary for us to take someone else as a witness. Some, sometimes it's going to take two or three people coming and saying the same thing, being in agreement and saying, this is a problem. There is an offense here for that person to finally say, yes, you are right. I need to repent. I need to get things right. Then the third step there is in verse number 17. If he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. There's a need at times for us to go as a church to that person and confront them. For the business that is going on, for the sin that is unrepentant to be brought out into the open. And he says, but if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Not that we are to shun people, but rather to realize that there are some people that are not behaving as a Christian. And we're not going to treat them like they're a church member if they are just continuing on and doing uh, and, and being offensive in the congregational setting. But he says there, if one is uh, sinning, chapter uh, 17 of Luke, he says in verse number three, if thy brother trespass against thee, if he sins against thee, rebuke him. 
I want to go to one other passage. I love Matthew 18, but Galatians chapter 6 also brings out kind of the spirit, again, of Matthew 18. Paul teaches us in Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1. If you do not have um, this verse marked in your Bible, you need to cross-reference it between Matthew 18. So Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1. And it's really just one verse that we're going to look at. He says at verse number 1, this is in that passage where he talks about bearing one another's burdens. He says in verse number 1, Brethren, if you are there, I want you to, to, to really think about what's being said here. If you're not there, just think. Think about what's being said. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, if somebody is sinning, that means that uh, Christians are not perfect. Brethren can be overtaken in sin. They can be overcome by the temptation. He says, if you're overtaken in a fault, if a brethren is overtaken, ye which are spiritual, those who are living under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, turn back one page if you would. Galatians 5, 22. Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. See, if Christians are living in the, uh, under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit, he says there in verse number 19, he said, Walker, verse 16, walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we are walking in the Spirit and we are exhibiting, able to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, guess what? We're going to be qualified to be able to restore brethren to the fellowship and the family and the walk of, uh, of God. So he says there in verse number uh, one, he says, ye who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Restore, what does that mean? To set him right, bring him back, recover him from his errors and his faults. So many churches just turn a blind eye to everything that goes on in the church membership. Um, you, you have leadership that are doing things that are wrong. That is not, it is not okay to allow your pastors or people in leadership to continue doing the wrong thing. There is a need for all of us to help one another, to encourage one another, to admonish one another at times, to, uh, to confront. Because, and I believe one of the reasons that churches are not practicing Matthew 18 and Galatians 6, 1, is because so many people in the church are not spiritual. So many in the church are themselves, they themselves are living a life of sin. And they understand that uh, that it is wrong to be hypocritical, to be a hypocrite, and they know that if they were to go and confront somebody else of their sin, while they are in sin, that would be hypocrisy. So instead of us getting right with the Lord and living the way we ought to live and walking in the Spirit, we just begin to turn a blind eye to all the sin that's going on around us. So I think it's important that we understand these things. He says that we need to be spiritual, and, and uh, restore in the spirit of meekness. What does that mean? The spirit of meekness. That means that we are kind. We are forbearing. We are forgiving. Somebody has said it this way. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. It is, to put it in one word, it is restraint. 
It is knowing that we could come down in judgment on somebody, but rather than judging them, we are trying to help them. We are lovingly asking them to correct themselves. We are instructing as we can to help them correct themselves. So he says there, with that in mind, let's read it again. Brethren, Galatians 6, 1, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself. What does that mean? Remember that you are also liable. You yourself are able to err. You yourself would want somebody to be kind and, and loving towards you if you yourself were in sin. So put yourself in the other person's shoes. Consider yourself. He says, uh, lest thou also be tempted. And so if one sins, he is to be rebuked, but we need to do this in the right way. Go to them privately. Go to them uh, in meekness, in love. Look at that again. Luke chapter 17. We're back to our text. Verse number three. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. But then he says, if he repents, what, is it, what are the next two words? Luke chapter 17, verse three. The last two words of the verse say, forgive Okay, let's look at it one more time. Ready? Luke chapter 17, verse number three. I put the AC on. I hope that would keep you, and the heat would put you to sleep, I think, you know, when it's warm. So let's wake up. Luke chapter 17, verse three. The last two words of that verse are forgive. Okay, again, forgive him. Okay, we're going to verse four. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Now I want to just, just throw a little monkey wrench in here. There are times where we will forgive somebody and we, need, we always need to be forgiving. Always forgiving. Jesus said 70 times seven, right? I mean, you do it seven times a day, that's a lot. But 490 times, that's impossible, right? It's humanly impossible to forgive somebody that many times. But as many times as somebody trespasses against us and sins against us, we need to be forgiving towards them. But that doesn't mean that trust has been restored automatically. That doesn't mean that relationship has been restored automatically. Praise God. God is faithful. God is, God is just. He's faithful to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is capable of doing that. He will restore you every single time. There are times, though, that in our, in our world, the way things are, in the church, let's say even in the church setting, somebody will continually do something over and over and over again. There may be a need in wisdom to ask that person to go somewhere else. There may be a need for, uh, maybe in your relationship, somebody has wronged you or wronged your, your family, your children. It may not be wise for you to allow that person back into your children or your life okay use wisdom and discretion it doesn't mean that we don't love them it doesn't mean that we don't forgive them but there is a need for people to uh still be uh to 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 make things right restitution if somebody were to um do harm to my family 
they were needing to be put into prison according to the law of our land. I'm not gonna advocate for that person to get out of prison because if they did something, a heinous crime towards somebody in my family, that is it's not my job to do that. That is the government's role. God has instituted that. But I can absolutely and I should forgive that person from my heart. Forgiveness can be extended and should be extended. What happens beyond that? There are times where people just need to pay for the crimes that they have done. Is that understood? You understand what I'm saying there? Is that there are times where people have done so many things wrong that the, the trust cannot be restored. That is, is beyond, um, God, I believe, can always give grace. I'm not saying it's impossible, but wisdom prevails at times when we say this situation, it, it's gonna take some time. It's gonna take some time to earn back the trust that was broken. But we can always, always, always forgive. He says there in verse number four, uh, again, I re- if he repents, forgive him. If he repents, forgive him. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, and we'll close with this thought here. Whoever wrote Hebrews wrote this. It could be Paul. It could be someone else. We don't know for sure. But Hebrews 12, verse 14, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently. I believe that has the idea of circumspect. Looking around, being diligent, not being lackadaisical. Looking diligently, lest any, any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Sometimes it's hard for us to forgive people for what they do. Sometimes it's hard for us. We become a cynic when we say, oh, they messed up again. We knew it was going to happen. Oh, we absolutely knew what they were going to do. We knew they were going to make a mess of things again. But God says, forgive them. Forgive them. Well, God, you don't know what they did to me. Forgive them. Jesus says to forgive them. How do you forgive somebody that has done so many wrong things to you? Well, first of all, we follow the example of Christ. Paul said that uh, forgive one another as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Think about what Jesus did on the cross. He forgave us. He even forgave those that were, uh, that were crucifying him. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So many times, so many times, we forget of, 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 the, of the things that God has forgiven us of. Or we begin to play the comparison game and say, well, you know what? God forgave me of some things, but my sins were nothing compared to what these people over here did. Just realize that it didn't take but one sin. It didn't take but your sin nature, which all of us have. All of us are equally condemned to put you on the path to hell. And Jesus said, I love you in spite of who you are. Jesus died on the cross for all people. He didn't discriminate against anybody. He didn't say, well, I'm going to forgive everybody except for uh, those that commit murder. Well, I'm going to forgive everyone except for those that uh, commit adultery and murder. 
and steal, all those wicked people. I'm going to forgive everybody except for them. No, my friend, Jesus died for all of us. And we want to be released from that feeling of guilt and bondage and bitterness and all of these things that we struggle with. It's hard not to, uh, it's hard to extend forgiveness to people. It's hard to do that. Many times we become all cluttered in our life, even as a believer who knows better, and we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, but even in our life, we can begin to allow things to fester, as, as it said there in Hebrews, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. We are constantly troubled by that root of bitterness. Maybe it was somebody that did something. Maybe it's somebody that you come in contact with all the time, and whenever they're there, you just have that feeling of anger towards them. That's that root of bitterness that is, has been embedded into your life. Again, we go back to, God, you have forgiven me of so many things. God, you have given me something I didn't deserve, and that is forgiveness, eternal life, a home in heaven. Ask God to give you strength to forgive those others. By the way, instead of allowing things to fester, it, it many times will build up over years. Some of you have things that have just built up over decades even. And I'm sure your advice, some of you that have been freed from this, you've been able to forgive somebody, but your advice would be, don't let it go a day. Don't let it go a month, a year. Deal with it right away. By the way, it's easier to keep a house that is clean clean than to go in and deal with a hoarder situation, right? Um, it's one thing with working with the police department I'm not necessarily looking forward to. <laughs> They've shown us some videos of <laughs> body cams, people going, going into a house that's just a, a hoarder situation. You're trying to find somebody in there. It's kind of difficult. At home, sometimes you'll, uh, you'll uh, uh, come home and you go into your kid's bedroom, and it kind of looks like that one little room of your house has turned into a hoarder situation. I don't know if, it, <laughs> if the same is true for you as it was for me when I was a kid. My room was like, it was like that show Hoarders, right? I, it was bad. And my mom would say, don't, don't make me come and clean your room. You don't want me to come clean your room. And, uh, you know, you got your kids there at their bedroom, and you say, clean your room. And you might say, if you don't clean your room, I'm going to call the health department, and they're going to come in and, and uh, all gowned up, and they're going to come with their hazmat suits, and they're going to label everything and put it in the biohazard bags and take it out. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing what an old lunchbox looks like after a month or two. You know, I've seen that. Some of you, by the way, it's the end of the school year. Get that lunchbox out of the bedroom. I'm sure it's probably got an old banana or something in there. But when the Lord comes to us and says, deal with that unforgiveness, deal with that clutter, deal with the bitterness in your life, don't let it fester. Don't let that pile up and get out of control. As I've heard it said so many times, keep that short account with the Lord. Don't, don't have unforgiveness Live in your life. Don't let it clutter your room. Don't let it 
clutter under your spiritual bed, if you would. Some of the scariest places in America are the, under the beds of six-year-olds, you know? We got an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a three-year-old. It's like a whole other world. You go in their bedroom, and it's like, this is scary. You know, there's Legos and all kinds of things you could step on in their room, and it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a war zone. A lady once told, you might say, well, I, I, I can't be forgiven. I've got too many things. You might be on the other end of the spectrum where you're dealing with um, being able to, to find for, forgiveness for yourself or think, well, God couldn't forgive me. A lady once told a preacher, if you knew what I've done, you wouldn't want me to attend your church. And the preacher said, if you knew what he's already forgiven me for, you wouldn't be worried about it. <laughs> See, each of us are grateful or should be grateful. There are people in, in here that have things in their life that you're grateful that God has forgiven you for. There are so many stories of people in our church even that have uh, been able to uh, overcome things. They've been able to be forgiven, to have victory over things in their life. Psalm 103, verse 4, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. When you come to the Lord, you get a lot of benefits. Verse 3, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thine diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Tender mercies, what is that? That is the love of God. None of us deserve it, but all of us can receive the love of God. We can be forgiven of our sins. When we dwell on the, the love of God and how great God's forgiveness is, we can be overcome with doubt and unbelief. I know that there was somebody I was dealing with many years ago, huh, an older gentleman who was in a nursing home, and we were witnessing to him, and he said, there's no way that God could forgive me. I've done so many wrong things. There's no way that God could ever forgive me. And he was struggling with this, this concept. How could God forgive me? Now, if you try to figure that out, you will go crazy. You will lose your mind. If we try to understand and try to comprehend the love of God, we cannot. It's one of those things that just has to be accepted by faith. It is beyond our human ability to understand and comprehend. So we just need to receive salvation. It is a gift from God. That's the greatest news that anyone could ever hear, that God loves us in spite of who we are. If you realize that God doesn't overlook sin, there's never been one sin that God has turned a blind eye to. Did you know that? Every single sin that you and I have ever committed or ever will commit has been accounted for. Every transgression Every thought, every action that has been contrary to the law of God, God has a record of. And it has to be paid for. But the Bible says that he placed all of our sin, all of the debt has been placed on the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Our forgiveness is not just God somehow just overlooking or expunging in some way uh, off of our record and just saying, well, you know, I'll just, I will just uh, forget about it. No, our sin was paid for. 
It was cleansed, but by the blood of Jesus Christ, amen? Salvation is that free gift of God. And so God is going to forgive us if we come to him and we come to him in humility saying, I don't deserve it, but God, please forgive me of my sins. Save me. He will cleanse you. So thankful for the day that I got saved. You know, I really struggled with, am I, am I saved? Did I do enough? Did I pray the right way? You know, I was so concerned about that as a, as a small child. Now, some of you, your salvation day was just, you know, you knew you went from darkness to light because of the drastic change in your life. You went from living a certain way, and then all of a sudden, the grace of God came into your life, and there was a great change. I, I hadn't done a lot of things at my young age. But you know what? It doesn't matter. I was still a sinner, condemned to hell. I needed to be saved. In my condition, I was on my way to hell. But it wasn't about the prayer. It wasn't about, you know, saying things the right way. It was an understanding that I'm a sinner. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He is our Savior. And I placed my faith and dependence upon what Jesus did on the cross. For not just me, but for all people that will come to him. We exercise our free will to sin against God, but we also need to exercise our free will to receive the Savior to receive forgiveness. You need to do that as well. Jesus died for you, but you have to receive that gift. Receive forgiveness from God today. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, we know that we're gonna be offended. We're gonna be attacked. We'll be persecuted for things um, because the God of this world hates you. And the God of this world, Satan, hates believers hates your truth, hates the word of God, truth for all men. But I do pray that you would help us to not uh, live our life worried about what people think, living our life trying to, um, trying to avoid persecution maybe, but realize, yes, offenses will come. But there's an opportunity each time that somebody does something to us, an opportunity for us to forgive them. In the context of the church, yes, restoration. Yes, repentance is needed. There's a need to, to actually confront those that are doing wrong. You didn't call us to necessarily be pacifists. But God, we are to restore. You want us to extend forgiveness. Even when the person doesn't want restoration, we still should forgive. Father, I pray that you would help us to, to truly in our hearts find forgiveness, to release us from holding a grudge and bitterness and holding something against someone else. Help us to be uh, released from that. Help us to, to look at what you did, to, did for us 2,000 years ago on the old rugged cross. Help us to have that same kind of love for others. It is supernatural. That's why we need your help, God. I pray that you bless this time of invitation as we close.